Today on Alchemy Land, I'm joined by Emily Eastman. Emily is a yoga teacher and a musician, among other things, and has recently started collaborating with us on the Taurus Project. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome. Thank you. To my home. Great. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I really love like how you were just talking about like the heart space. I was just learning the ending mantra for the heart sutra, uh-huh. the uh, gate gate, padagate, padasamgate, bodhisattva. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. So I was just like learning and reading about that and like putting some music to it and whatnot. So it's really interesting that that was something that yes. you were also thinking about. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about it today. Um, what's our project really about in terms of the community? And, you know, I always want to emphasize the universal love because to me, that is the attractive force that is moving all of us to a unified consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everybody knows it fundamentally. It's, it's, obvious you're seeking love you're always mm-hmm. you know looking for love and you find it in your in your relationships with people hopefully and you're yeah. going for it that way but it, there's that deeper experience that it's in you and it's in everything and we can connect with it yeah so i want that really to be the vibration that's really you know at the for lack of a better word at the heart of yeah. the taurus project hmm. i i love that because it's it's so profound when you find people who know how to speak love and not just like this like hallmark romantic love but like acceptance and just genuine care um I I feel like I I've started trying to notice the ways that people speak in combination with how I feel around them. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting, you know, like not necessarily as like, oh, stay away from me because you're not speaking well, but just kind of noting that if I'm feeling imbalanced, maybe there's something in play, you know? I mean, not yeah. only like the things that I say about myself inside my head, but what gets spoken out around me. Right, that's a good indicator um, how you feel. And as you said, you know, you're tuning in. It's not just necessarily an emotional reaction, but you just, you're feeling, what is the vibration? What's the quality that I'm experiencing here? And I love to think of it in energetic terms too, Mm -hmm. because then you feel there's a vibratory field of action that's happening with people all the time. And so are you vibrating in love, with love, Mm -hmm. as part of that field of love? And um, you're right, it does come into play in these, all parts of life, but, you know, especially when you're putting it into practical terms, like how do you serve people? How do you help? How do you receive love? I mean, that's one of the biggest things for us, isn't it? Yeah, truly, truly. (laughs) Because like sometimes it's really easy to give love, but like to actually feel like you're worthy of really receiving it at that same force that you're willing to give it. Yes. Ooh, yeah. For sure. And I know from experience, a lot of us, especially I would say in the healing professions and the helping art, you know, all the things that we do for our clients, our friends, family, that often becomes an identity of how much can I give? (laughs) And you feel like that, that's the way I'm going to get love. But actually you're all, everyone's worthy of love. Mm -hmm. And we are fundamentally part of that field of love. So, so it's, it's important to realize that. Mm -hmm. And like learning how to just kind of let yourself step back into it, because I feel like sometimes 
for me and my experience, when I'm overexerting and feeling like, oh no, I have to give more and more and more and more, then I start to like, I'm thin out across everything that I'm trying to do. And so it actually isn't really doing much of anything except for me just kind of in this like overexertion space. And literally just, I think it was like yesterday, my partner was like, Emily, you are not infinite. (laughs) 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 I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I have to, I have to choose and I have to be deliberate because like, it's, it's really interesting because in that way I'm able to give more because sometimes what you need to give somebody is just like the space for them to do it themselves. That's right. And that's really hard. It is. You know, it's interesting. You said that um, earlier today, I was having a conversation with Lacey, mm-hmm. Lacey Sanders, our yeah. other, you know, partner with the project. And um, she, she and I both worked together a long time on healing. And we're in a really interesting dialogue right now about how to communicate more effectively with each other, but also about how to hold space with people for people in their healing and just as you said it's very common for us to try to do something for the other person try to make something happen or try to even try to be in the same kind of emotional state that they are just so you can mirror it but that's not always effective truly Mm -hmm. and I mean of course that's helpful to some degree but as you said you know you can deplete yourself you can feel like oh I'm not you know really centered and grounded in myself and that's the place where we can really be of service and hold a space of clarity and be really centered so that the person can be with themselves. And then that, through that process, then things begin to move and they can experience what they need to go through and know themselves on a deeper level because it's not about the interaction and what you're doing for them or with them. So I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's a process. It is. And it's it's that um, analogy of not cutting the caterpillar out of its cocoon too early. That's and it's great. like it's in pain and it's struggling and it's like goop, you know, it just <laughs> and like you really want to like help it. It's like, oh, like, let me help you. Let me take some of this from you. But if you do, then it won't actually have the strength to become what it needs to. And I feel like that's one of like the hardest ways to love, (laughs) you know, it's like, there's a lot of really fun and easy ways to love, but like sometimes it's harder to let them be a caterpillar. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You're talking about the healing process really, because um, in any process, there's that time where there, there doesn't seem to be coherence or it's, especially when things change, you know, it's, that's the, place where it's transforming and sometimes it's messy and or it looks like it's never going to be coherent again. And, but that's a stage mm-hmm. and you can emerge as that butterfly in yeah. the next phase of your development. So mm-hmm. I, I know it, and it's important, like you were saying, if you're, you know, really working with somebody, then how do you let them be in that phase and support it? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just like, you know, nurturing anything in nature, anything that that's, be created needs to be nurtured for a time yeah. in its state. Mm-hmm. So it's like if your teenager isn't like hating you, then you're doing something wrong. <laughs> it's like that phase of just like, no, I'm going to push back. Like I have to figure this out. You know, I have to make space, you know? And like, I feel like, we all like almost like spiritually go through that teenager phase of just like, no, like this is mine. I like what you're saying because it reminds me that if you are spiritually speaking, if you're kind of a teenager rebelling against the universe or God or whatever your concept of 
consciousness is or spiritual spirit is, then you're in that phase where you're not really accepting life as it is and you want it to be something different. So you're going to try to push it and force it and make it something. And it's not a bad thing to do because then you get to play with creation. You know, you're like, how am I going to make my life? But then you want to get to a phase eventually or hope to where you feel surrendered to Mm -hmm. the process of life. Well, I don't feel like my spiritual development actually started shifting until it was no longer what wasn't working for me in the mm-hmm. spiritual practice that was presented to me when I was growing up. Yeah. And so I feel like for a long time, everything in that realm was still in relation to, even though like I was out of the organization, uh, but it still felt like I'm like, oh, well, I can't explore that deity because deity is bad because you know, God is harmful and scary and all of these things. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing my teacher training, I was sitting in my very first puja and it was just like, okay, now let's say all the names of Vishnu. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> and it was really interesting because I was like, well, what if I just like let this happen? Because the God that I was presented was a lot younger than these gods. So maybe, <laughs> maybe there's something different. And then I started reading more and like, you know, I really like like union philosophy and so, or uh, psychology and just kind of viewing the archetypes and like the stories and all of these things. But it wasn't until I was like, okay, my spirituality has nothing to do with, uh, what was offered as an option. Yeah. Like it was like, here is an option. Cool. That didn't work for me. That didn't fit me. So I'm not going to, it's like, oh, I bought this shirt and it didn't fit me and it doesn't work for me, but I'm going to keep it in my pocket and bring it with me to every single store to hold it up next to every other shirt, just so that I make sure I don't get another shirt that I don't like. You know, it's like, why would you do that? Because then all of a sudden you're like carrying this whole bag of like clothes that you just didn't like because you're scared to find something that you don't like. I I don't know. Well, yeah, and that's right because, you know, a lot of times, like the clothing metaphor is great. Um, sometimes you've got to try things on to know if they fit you or it's your style yeah. or if it, you know, you want to wear it. Yeah, <laughs> or sometimes you grow out of it, yeah, you know, and sometimes true. it serves a purpose for a season. And sometimes, you know, it's like this like transformative process. But that's right. like I, I think that allowing it to be a transformative process, you know, allowing your healing to change just like your spirituality can change just like your personality and like your humanness and all of these things are just constantly in flux and in motion. And so to like limit yourself to like, Oh no, this is the thing forever. It's the thing right now, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about belief systems. Belief because, systems. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in our project and bring out that we can have different belief systems and still work together I mean, humanity needs that for one thing. And also just even as a community, how can you hold space for people and all right, you know, you're developing, this works for you right now. Mm -hmm. I might have something else that's going on, but fundamentally, again, back to love, if we're focusing on the heart level of things, Mm -hmm. and then it's much more possible to connect rather than on that mental level of what do you think? And what do I think? Even though that's Great yeah, too. For sure. And you need the intellect to sort things out. But why not, you know, level a playing field at that heart level? Yeah. And then there's connection. Have you ever read the book Living Buddha, Living Christ? 
No, I haven't. Thich Nhat Hanh. Or uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah, I know, I know about it's it, but I haven't read it. Really phenomenal. It was one mm-hmm. that was like really profound because you know, as somebody who connects more with like Eastern philosophy rather than like Western religion, yeah, it was a really beautiful book to just kind of break things down and be like, okay, we're going to strip away all of our definitions and our labels and actually look at what it is these teachers are saying. And let's look at how many things we can find Mm. that are the same. And, you know, like the New Testament talking about just like letting people exist as they are is so similar to like things that like the Buddha was saying about just allowing people to be. And, you know, like higher self, higher God, you know, like all of these things, when you take away the like the lexicon and like the jargon and all of this stuff, like we're really all just talking about the same thing. The same thing. That's right. That's right. It seems fundamentally that's true. If you if you go to the deepest level of any religious system or any um, spiritual belief system, it really does all point to the same truth or the same fundamental thing. And that's why I like to emphasize the idea of consciousness itself. And if we can get into that idea of consciousness as a as a field of pure being, pure awareness of itself, mm-hmm. and to borrow from the, um, the yogic philosophy and the Hindu philosophy, the, it can be a consciousness that's ever aware of itself, always self-revealing, always revealing itself to itself, and that is always blissful or always creating from itself and then enfolding back into its perfection. So if you think of consciousness as always existing, always in that pure being state and always full of bliss and creating from love with love, then all these belief systems can be included in that. And as you progress, as you said, sometimes things work for a while, but you can keep coming back to that eternal truth. The way I think of it is eternal and, Mm -hmm. and we can come back to pure being. Yeah. And it's just kind of like all of like these little expressions of all the ways that we can relate to the divine. Yeah. I like what you said too about, you know, I'm studying one tradition and there's gods and goddesses and another tradition says, oh no, it's all just one unified mm-hmm. uh, non-dual consciousness or another tradition, you know, has another specific belief. Mm-hmm. But I always, again, in that idea of consciousness, love to think of the energy, like I was saying before about the heart, the vibratory fields and the energy flow or even like you said, the Jungian archetypes, you know, it has a particular energetic signature yeah, and it has a particular um, vibration and energy. So you start tuning into that. How does that affect you? How do you feel? Mm. What does it do in your life when you're in tune with that flow of energy and that higher consciousness activating through that energy? And sometimes it might have a form mm. that you connect with yeah. and sometimes it can be formless. Yeah. So then it becomes an interplay and an exciting and field. Sometimes the form takes you to the formless and then back to the form. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it becomes really beautiful and exciting yeah. in that way, I think. And it's just kind of like this like ebb and flow, almost like like a dance mm-hmm. of like just exploration. I love that metaphor dancing. I used to dance professionally and um before you know I studied it, it was just kind of in my body. I was always dancing. I love dancing. But um Later in life now, it feels like it's exactly what it feels like to me, what you just said. It's, uh, it's a dance of life and creative potential and the flow of life. And it's dancing me. And I'm, when I'm aware of a 
separate unit. Sometimes it's me dancing Good. the dance, and other times I'm just one with it, and mm. the whole dance is happening. So I love that metaphor too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On the the note of the the collective and finding commonalities, it's really nice to like really focus on all of like the the blissful parts of spirituality. But sometimes I think that people approach it because they are in pain, you know, not because they're finding something beautiful, but because they're in pain and looking for something. Yeah. And I think that that's why a lot of people get really identified and attached in ways that come out as anger and like misunderstanding. We're all just thinking about the commonalities of not only love, but pain and Mm -hmm. going through suffering and really identifying with that part of humanness as well, because people don't really seek these things out of feeling good. You know, it's like people often come to these practices and find this bliss and like the start of the path is typically something pretty devastating. That's right. Um, And so I think that it's, extra important to like reinforce that love and that understanding of, Hey, we're all just humans trying to figure things out. And we know that we have this like causal body. We know that we have a spiritual body and we're kind of confused about everything else, (laughs) but this is what we're seeing, you know, and like that sort of experience, I feel it can really allow for people's individual traditions to still flourish and be supported by one another, but also to like see how they interact and like weave to create the world. Yeah. That's so well said because you're talking or touching on these points of what's the common, the commonality of being human. And of course we all have been through suffering and difficulty and it's, it's very, I think that's absolutely essential to say, yeah, it's not just that you, you don't just come to spiritual practices out of just like, oh, I feel good. How can I feel better? <laughs> yeah. It would be great. Because yeah. I mean, if you feel good, then you're not necessarily like thinking about ways to feel better, to feel more connected. Because you're like, oh, I just... I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. Like, mm-hmm. why, why do something different? It's usually at that breaking point where it's like something has to change. And I don't know how. And I think that that's where spirituality is so important but also like vulnerable um it's such a vulnerable space to be in and i think that that's another reason why people can be so put off by it right well i think that's why i want to have community because i want people to feel like well you know there is a place for me to be myself to be human to go through and say you know yeah i want to be better I want to feel love and bliss, but I don't right now. Yeah. Uh, why? And I, what do I do? And how could I feel better? Um, and then there's other people around that say, yeah, I've been through that too. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been there and I'm still there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> let's talk about it. Yep. And, oh, oh, okay. You know, we're all in different phases, but like, you know, sometimes you find that commonality and that gives you so much strength because you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm hoping to create a community that's so diverse and vibrant that there's resources. It's like, yeah. well, you know, we can talk about it, but, oh, you should talk to this other practitioner mm-hmm. or person who's been through something or has skills to work with it. 
so that we really can feel supported. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like you're already starting to find like such cool people. Lacey, obviously, like I've known her first, but I mean, like when you mentioned having somebody who does like ketamine therapy, they got something that can be like so beneficial. I mean, just like the, the curating of people in and of itself and looking at each other as ways that we can learn from each other. And like just that alone, I think is a beautiful experience. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for seeing it that way and mentioning it because yeah, I I really have this idea and hope that as we do more with different practitioners, that that will form one part of the community where practitioners and teachers of all kinds can draw on each other as resources and support each other Mm -hmm. in their process too. Because often I found, I mean, I had this experience as a body worker Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was alone in a room almost all the time. And sometimes, you know, you go to a class or go to retreat and that's great. It's wonderful. You have some camaraderie for a little short time, but I never felt like, oh, well, I have this community that is just right there all the time. Or maybe they don't even have to practice the same thing I do, but Mm -hmm. on a human level, we're really relating and I'm learning more about healing and that spiritual journey because I get to talk with them and hear about their experiences. So there's a lot of different levels that we can support each other on. And then of course, you know, to have anyone who's benefiting from any of the practices that we're teaching or working with and sharing. Um, I want that level to have community and to feel like, especially like you said, no, I'm in pain or I'm struggling or I had this burst of feelings like, ah, oh, this huge opening and I'm super up. And then, you know, what's the next move? It comes yeah. back down and you still have to deal with life. Mm-hmm. It can be but a even that elation <laughs> can be hard to express to people if it's vulnerable. You know, it's just like sharing mm. somebody's hurt, that elation. And yeah, like, I, I think that community, I mean, the, the community that I have in my like yoga sphere where I teach. Yeah. I, again, like I really feel like I had such a significant before and after when I was like, yes, this is my studio and I'm going to be consistent here. And then I ended up doing my training, but it was just this big before and after where I could be around so many different types of people with so many backgrounds with so many reasons for being there mm-hmm. and feel seen and understood without even having to like explain myself. And that was significant. Mm-hmm. You know, where you could just show up someplace and take off all of your armor and your masks and everything and just like be a person. I love that. That's so wonderful. That's exactly the kind of community that I want to support. And what I I want to expand a little further from that, if you don't mind, because that's the personal description of of a community that I want to see for everyone in the world, actually. And of course, you know, we have different communities for different things. And, and it's fine. Not everything has to be, everybody talks all the time and it's <laughs> possible, but, but I love the idea of nested communities within a, a like a meta community. Yeah. And that's kind of how I'm seeing the Taurus project. It's a community that could be for as many people as want to participate mm-hmm. all over the world eventually. And, you know, maybe, you know, like we have a local community here, but then what if you're talking to practitioners and people and other spiritual aspirants on the other side of the world, you know, and you had like maybe a time to meet and to share interesting things about your process Mm. and how, what would that do for society? Like on the social level across borders and nations. Do we have a discord? 
Um, not yet, actually. Okay, but I feel like that would that. be a really, sorry, you were saying that. I'm like, that yeah. would have been perfect. Cause you know, yeah. it's like with that, like, I mean, that's such like a beautiful, like tool that we have now to really connect people. Cause it's like, how amazing is it that yes. we're no longer bound by like physical distance? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Like, because when this project started emerging, I started seeing it uh, in that network of the world kind of yeah. way. Just like, I was like, oh my God, you know, we have the internet now. We mm-hmm. have all these different ways that network effects take place. Yeah. That, yeah. And then that's, that's, <laughs> often, that's kind of like, you see that logo, yeah, yeah. the Taurus itself has that, that feeling of radiating mm-hmm. out and then folding back into itself infinitely. Mm-hmm. But it's because of that feeling of wholeness and connection. So it's really like a worldwide feeling, like it'll go wherever it goes, but that's what I'd love to see, you know, um, connection, conversation, support, learning, and uh, growing together. And again, like across belief systems, across practices. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Yeah. But I love that idea. Um, I had thought about starting a Discord about a year ago, but I was like, well, not yet because, you know, it's just me. And so Mm -hmm. we need to be talking more people so now we it'll have emerge people, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's growing <laughs> yeah exactly but. exactly yeah that feeling of interconnection oh and you know this might be interesting because of your yoga background and eastern spirituality before the the taurus or that you know that image of that infinite shape kind of emerged as the uh, idea behind this project i was really interested in the Indra's net or the the net of Indra. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. It sounds familiar. Well, it comes originally from uh, the Hindu philosophy, but it's also very prominently used in Buddhist philosophy. Mm. And the idea is that Indra, the god who kind of manages creation, has this net spread out all over creation. And each point where the net crosses is like a, a pearl. And in each pearl you can see all the other pearls reflected. Mm. So every world and every being in the universe is in all of those points on this vast eternal net or network, you could say, like we understand it now. So that was inspiring to me at the beginning of this project. And I thought, well, okay, if everything is everywhere, you know, kind of like a, a universal hologram, then we can all participate on a very high level in society. Yeah, so Indra's net, this um, idea of a... The word they use in the Buddhist tradition is interpenetration, meaning that everything is in everything else. Mm. And so it's really consciousness, again. Consciousness exists in me and you, in every particle of creation. And so if we can connect with that level of consciousness, or even just have the idea of it, then we can realize that we're not separate, fundamentally. And your healing process is also part of my healing process. And we can kind of see that in the world. I mean, we know, just look at the news, the world's suffering. Yeah. So that healing process really needs to be worldwide. And we need some kind of mechanisms for support on all of these levels. Well, every community used to have a shaman, right. you know, and like right. a spiritual medicine worker that people would go to. And it would be this one-on-one experience of just like, diving in and I, I just think that it's for how connected we are technologically I, mean, I feel like it's said all the time it's like it's interesting how separated we are but that love and that understanding and that empathy and like recognizing that we are 
not ourselves unless we are in relation to and not necessarily in like a codependent way. But like, I mean, even if you look at these horrific cases of um, children who have been completely neglected to the point of like no socialization, there's a few cases like in the 70s that they did like, you know, those case studies on where these people who didn't have anybody around them, no conversation, no anything, didn't develop normally. Yeah. And I think that that's so profound that, like, it's not optional, you know? Like, mm-hmm. having, like, genuine connection and community is not, like, an optional thing. Mm-hmm. I think that we really, truly need it. And yes. when we don't have a community where we can just show up and shed everything mm-hmm. and cry if we need to or laugh if we need to or dance or whatever because even you know moving freely is so scary uh sometimes i think that people would rather cry in a room than move freely in a room (laughs) you know and so i i think that it's important it is it's just vital it really is and i'm glad you said all that because i think the time of isolated communities for holding sacred knowledge or maybe you know even when you're talking about these times when every village had a shaman still it's so localized and Mm -hmm. it works for that small unit of people and we're at this phase of development in society where like you said we're using the internet and Mm -hmm. everything is connected to everything just on that electronic level and we know that yeah we can communicate anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. really fast and so it's it's been so normalized that you can kind of see on a, a spiritual level, it needs to go into the social sphere also on that worldwide network. Definitely. But I also think there needs to be that physical aspect too, where it's like you're getting physical sound and physical touch. And even just being next to somebody is a form of energetic touch. Cause like I I saw this Mm -hmm. fascinating, it was just this little clip of somebody, it was like a 512 Hertz or whatever and a 400 something. I don't remember the exact numbers, Mm -hmm. but it was two tuning forks. And so like the 500 gets hit and it vibrates and nothing happens to the 400. And then there's a hanging little ping pong ball mm-hmm. and then the 400 gets replaced with the matching 500 so they're the same t- same tuning forks and the sound goes through the first tuning fork and the second tuning fork <laughs> and then it pushes the ball and i'm like this is so cool this yeah. is so cool because <laughs> i just think that there's something to sound and experiencing physical sound that's not been compressed you know like our voices are currently being compressed. <laughs> and, you know, people hear it. And I, I think that it's, it's really interesting, like, you know, being married to a sound guy. Like, I think about sound as a physical property because it is, you know, when it gets compressed, it's a zero and a one. And then it gets re-put out in a way that is processed in our sensory, but it's like even like those sound waves will physically be different. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at a vinyl and there's sound waves, but Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's had that experience of being at a concert and singing the same words as the stranger next to them. And they've never seen each other before. They will never see each other again. And it is the most profound moment. And you can know that, you know, you can go on TikTok and see all of these hundreds and thousands of people singing the same song and it doesn't hit you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hit you until you are physically standing next to that person, feeling the physical sound and realizing in that moment that that person has had just a full 
life as you have. Mm. And you're both standing in this moment and you'll never see each other again. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is just the human experience. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head because to have that experience in proximity builds the energy stronger. It amplifies it. So it's bigger. And then you have a profound experience Mm -hmm. and it all happened because you're in person, you're live with somebody, you're with each other. And then, well, then I think about the Taurus project, you know, and like your vision of it, where it's just like in person, online to bring back in person, to go back online to find more in person, you know, and like this constant, like going out and coming back because that community, you know, even though the tools that we have that can take us so expansive are really important, it's not a replacement. You know, right. and to really view it as a part of and not a, a replacement for human connection. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's why I love that. Yes. That view of like unfolding and refolding. Absolutely. I mean, that's so essential. Exactly. I'm so glad you said all that because <laughs> really, truly, it's right at the heart of our project where we need connection. We need to be in the same room doing things together. We need to be able to feel each other, like you said, like, you know, experience the energy with Mm -hmm. each other. Physical touch is so important. Singing together, hearing music together, making music together, all that really just lights us up. Mm -hmm. And we know it fundamentally. It's just part of our nature. It's built in. So absolutely. That's the one thing I never want to get away from because it's, it's just human. Yeah. So we need it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, my experiences too, that's where so much of the healing happens because you know, you're with people and then the energy's stronger. And sometimes it's way stronger than whatever energy field you've been holding patterns in the energy field mm-hmm. that is. And it can actually push it out sometimes, or it can override it. It's kind of like, you know, when like a wave hits the beach, yeah. like a you know, crash on the beach and the sand is smoothed out or the pebbles or, you know, whatever you see there, it's like, it's just like clear yeah. and like organized. That's sometimes what that sound vibration can do mm. and it's powerful yeah especially when you have that intention to do that truly <laughs> you know we we're talking about consciousness so how does consciousness create it creates through vibration and that's why in many spiritual traditions you work with sound and we have those symbols for the primal sound you have the om mm-hmm. and when you chant it it brings you back to that experience or that awareness of the primal simplicity and profundity Mm -hmm. because it's so powerful but we know it deep down in ourselves and in our minds and our consciousness that we're one with that primal sound already so if we can be in that sound and as a group especially it just gets stronger and that's often where a lot of the healing can happen that's something that i find so healing and part of movement Um, and it's also been a a really important expression for me to share because I've felt hesitant about like sharing my music because I'm like, Mm. I don't want to be like a performer, you know, like I, I've tried doing that and it's, it's fun. You know, like I enjoy like playing covers and writing songs and stuff, Mm -hmm. but like the performing booking shows, that energy feels very depleting to me and I've I've played in a bar before and it's kind of tough to feel like you're just by yourself and everything Mm -hmm. is just kind of happening around you Mm -hmm. uh versus you know in the the music spaces that I've been 
getting to with like my practice is on like Kirtan obviously Mm -hmm. is like that joint singing and just letting go of how you sound because you're all just sounding together and sound is human. So make sound. Uh, And then I, those mantras, you know, take me into puja where it's more of like a sit down somber, really focusing on pronunciation and then things that stick with me. I then make a little song out of, and I sing Mm. for my students in Shavasana. And so it's kind of this process for me where I get to the point where it's like I'm singing five words at my students, but I've had sometimes weeks of my own work into that, not necessarily forming the song, but just really understand the energy of it. So for instance, Mm -hmm. I was singing to Chinamasta for like two months. Mm -hmm. It was ego death. And it was really profound. And I don't know what my students have gotten out of it, but I had quite a few people and maybe it wasn't the music maybe that was just like the terry on top but like to have students walk out of my class not tell me anything about what's going on in their head but they just look at me and they tell me that they cried they tell me that I said what they needed to hear and that they needed it and it's like well I don't really need to know anything else then yeah there's there's something there that I'm doing and it feels, I mean, like it feels good to hold that space, but it's also kind of interesting to me because I often want to do, 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 do. I do this, <laughs> I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to micromanage everything. But really when I just show up and I sing what I feel in my soul, that's all that's needed. Coming from an authentic, deep, experiential place. And that's what people resonate with, isn't it? I mean, literally, you're yeah. talking about resonance and talking about the tuning forks. Yeah. <laughs> and when you chant from that place of deep internal experience and you feel it, and this is really your essence coming out and people are vibrating with mm-hmm. it. And that's what they need at that moment. Yeah. And it, it's the right approach mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's been, I mean, like, yeah, no, it's just been healing for me. And I'm enjoying the fact that I can hold space for other people's healing too, because I feel really selfish for how much I've gotten out of being a yoga teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Like all the time I'm like, man, this is really helping me. I hope I'm helping other people (laughs) because like this really feels like what I needed to learn things about myself. I know. And I think with our, with our project, one of the hopes is that, you know, we can raise money so that we can support teachers like you and what you're doing so that it can feel like easier to offer low cost or free sometimes mm-hmm. um, classes and sessions yeah. to people because people need it. And yeah. we know there's often a financial barrier to these 100%. things. 100%. And I feel like a lot of times these sorts of spaces feel really inaccessible. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes the space of the elitist sort of people mm-hmm. with money, but it's interesting because the more I learn about healing through movement practice, it's what we've been doing before we could even talk, you know, like moving through your emotion is the primal way. It's like, you know, it's like we formed words because our emotions weren't expressing enough. (laughs) Like the emotions came first, you know? And so sometimes it's like, there's emotions that you have or things that you have that can't have words. So like, you know, like a sigh sometimes says way more than anything else, you know, like you're like, Oh, that sigh said a lot. But like, if you're thinking about dance or yoga or walking or, you know, running or 
anything that is movement and is intentional, you're able to work through things that like your intellectual mind can't. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, again, the, that experience of being in these classes. What we started with was talking about the offering these the to offering, people who can't yes. always get into Oh, it. yeah. And it's inaccessible. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so important. It is so important that people learn how to be in their body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And like, I think that people can do that even with whatever movement practice. You have to oh, think yeah. about moving your body in a specific and intentional way. You're learning to be in your body. Um, and I, I, I feel like that should feel accessible no matter like what sort of practice it is. Right. Right. That's such a good yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. That's the, why the Taurus Project exists, because it's about accessibility. Yeah. I mean, just simply. And so how can we create this? How can we find ways to bring points of access in Mm -hmm. all kinds of work that people are doing. And especially that's why it has to start at that local level. Like who are the people around right now and how are they working with people? What is it doing? What's the effect? And I'm sure, you know, people that would like, Oh, I'd love to come to a class. I just can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Or I'd love to come more often or, or stay in a program or, you know, have that kind of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to support that and to say like, yeah, um, we have a program set up to do that. And even just to expand out a little bit from that, because it's always fun, you know, when you look back to the Taurus and that kind of folding and emerging and expanding and then folding back into itself, my hope is that eventually all of these things are just part of society and we don't even need an organization to do that. We just do it because yeah. it's all accessible mm-hmm. and everybody can choose. It's like choosing your own adventure yeah. with all the practices that will help you develop and be a completely integrated, high level, totally conscious mm-hmm. person. Totally. Yeah. So that's what we're going for. And oh, no, I, that's, the fun, that's the fun thing about hearing your experience in a personal way in you know your community and in your classes and like, what's the experience right now? Because that's how it starts. It's mm-hmm. built from who you are and what you're offering. And that's also the invitation to people that are coming into this project to say, you know, who are you Mm -hmm. and what gifts do you want to share? You know, because we all have something amazing to share. And it it took me having a community that just held me. I mean, my teacher, one of the first times I was in one of her classes, it was a, a hip opening class and I just had so much heaviness that day and I started sobbing and I couldn't stop it like I was loud crying Mm. and I was so embarrassed um and afterwards she just comes up to me and she gives me a huge hug and she didn't ask me what was wrong she didn't ask me if she could do anything she just hugged me and she's like yeah Mm. you needed that didn't you so beautiful and I was like oh my god and so then you know like as time progressed and just getting to know her I like looked up to her so much Mm -hmm. and I'm getting ready to teach and I am so anxious I am such (laughs) like a nor like I'm so high strung I'm so like (laughs) like ah all the time it's it's a huge effort (laughs) to stay you know like balanced and grounded and so I'm having one of those moments and she tells me that she has anxiety before she teaches classes and that she is an incredibly anxious person in really similar ways to me Mm. and that 
a lot of the the ways that I feel like I'm like a hamster in a wheel and just like, oh, there's so many things. I just have to go through all of them. She's so similar. And I look up to her and I had no idea. And yeah. that was the most empowering thing for me to realize that these people that I look up to are not so far away yeah. from me. And love is universal. Heart is universal. And sharing it is how we create strong bonds, you That's know, right. and like this idea, like don't share your emotions and don't feel too loudly, <laughs> you know, and like, I, <laughs> don't human too loudly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it wasn't until like I had a space where it was like, yeah, come every day and cry as loudly as you need. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of the first times that I really felt like I could. Yeah. And that was when change happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, and I don't, it wasn't about the nice little like rugs and incense (laughs) and, you know, like the music and whatnot. It was just that I could show up and just be me exactly as I am. Yes. Yes. That's the space that we want to hold for people. And to have that feeling of, well, again, I'm really glad you brought that up about the teacher that can be vulnerable with you. And be human with you because so often it's so easy to think like, well, they figured it out. Um, They know, you know, I'll never get there. Whatever it is, whatever your story of that person is. And just to bring it back down to being human, you know, um, I've been through things too. I, I have things to work out. Yeah. Cause we all (laughs) do. And it's never ending. That's like one of the things that I, I always think about when I think about, well, what would the kinds of teachers and practitioners be like? And that's why I emphasize the community idea. So it's not about a hierarchy mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, we have these teachers and we have these classes. Yeah. And then, you know, the teachers are special. And then there's everybody mm-hmm. else who takes the classes. But actually, we're all learning. Yeah. We're no, all experiencing I, together. My favorite thing is when I can have one of my teachers take my class and mm. then I can get feedback from them and then I can go to one of their classes. And it's just kind of like this really beautiful thing that I feel like yeah. if I wasn't a part of this awesome community where it's like teachers and students are one in the same. Like yeah. we all just put on our different roles and they're not us. They're just roles that we play. And they're interchangeable and just roles. Yeah. It's really good to say it like that because it's true. And, um, you know, sometimes some people have more experience and they've been through, they've been a little bit further down the path Mm -hmm. and you can learn from that experience, but then absolutely they're going to have to come back and have a beginner's mind in certain situations. And so it's so great to have that feeling of, we can be in a community where we can learn from each other. Mm There's always that opportunity, and okay, great, you're leading right now. Mm-hmm. You take, yeah, you take the reins. Yeah, and let's see what happens, and yeah. it'll be really fun and ex- exciting. Exactly, yeah. it's like let's just pass the hat around. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So I, I want to support that and see more of that emerge, and I want to see that also in society because the more we have places where people know they could go for that experience, like I can be myself, mm-hmm. I can be vulnerable, and people there will be willing to go there with yeah. me. You know, I mean, I want to create retreats and like programs to help people access these moments. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, hopefully there'll be things, you know, local in your community where, you know, like once in a while you can go and it's like, oh, I just have a retreat and I take time Mm -hmm. out to just be 
or I'm in this space with other people. I might be learning something. Maybe it's a technique. Maybe it's a yoga technique or whatever. But underneath that, there's the feeling of, oh, I'm there to experience a different depth of being here and I can be vulnerable and I can be myself. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, you can have that experience like you were describing, really held in that container so it's really powerful and Even empowering. Imagine if everybody in the world had a genuine space where they could have that on a regular basis. Right. How people would show up right. differently. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it would be really yeah. world-changing. Yeah. You know, really. That's to me, that's the evolution of consciousness right mm-hmm. there in action. You know, it's easy to say, well, you can meditate and you can. You know, I mean, it's a big process to say I could expand yeah. and become one with the universe or with the consciousness of everywhere. But like, what would that look like for everyday life? Yeah. And that's where I think it is. Like well, what I you think just that's said. integration, you know, because yeah. I think that sometimes it's really easy to go on a retreat or have a profound experience and then just hop right back into your life in the same right. ways, you know, like doing the same like half dissociated, getting ready for work, driving to work, like, oh man, honking on the horn, you know, because that honk on the horn, you know, it's like when you're just kind of like in that state of being, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. This is why I'm using this example. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like those moments where I'm just like, what am I actually putting out here? You know, like, what am I saying? I'm saying like, oh, this was inconvenient to me. Mm -hmm. So then not only like, it's not going to go to who I think that I'm directing it to. It's going to be all around because I know that sometimes when I'm driving and I hear an aggressive honk, all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm getting distracted. You know, it's that like that ripple effect. But like when I feel like I'm focused on integration, it's not like I'm like, oh, how does every single one of my tiny little actions affect everybody? But it's more like, how am I acting in alignment to myself? Mm-hmm. Because what I'm putting out will be how people feel around me. Exactly. If I make an effort to feel good around myself, you know, in those quiet moments when I'm by myself and mm-hmm. feeling good, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's always happy good. It's like, you know, but like I, I'm comfortable with myself and I feel yeah. like I'm doing doing all the things that I can. And when I'm focused on that sort of alignment, I notice that the people around me feel calmer. Yes. I, I had a really interesting experience at a, uh, a dinner with some family members and like there's, you know, as it happens in family, there's tensions <laughs> that arise, you know, kind of the the little back and forths, verbal and nonverbal. And uh, there's this, one of our family friends was just sitting, just observing. Mm-hmm. And I was setting the table and she looks at me and she's like, Emmy, you're so nice to be around. Like oh. genuinely, like you just, you're not feeding into this. And I like, I just kind of chuckle because I'm like, I haven't <laughs> always been this way. Right. And right. I'm not always that way. It's really easy for me to sponge what's happening around me. Mm-hmm. And like, I just kind of laugh. And I was just like, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's a muscle. And I work at it mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. because I know, I mean, I might be extra sensitive or whatever you want to call it, but I also know that indiscriminate anger that gets put out sometimes when people are struggling and we've all been there. But if I can work at how I process what happens inside of me, 
Mm-hmm. And the pain that I experience, mm-hmm. if I intentionally look at it, mm-hmm. say hello to it, make space for it, I find that it doesn't get transmuted into that vitriol. That's right. Um, it gets transmuted into growth mm-hmm. and lessons mm-hmm. and, you know, things to sort out and organize because that's that's our role as a human, you know, and like it breaks my heart and maybe I focus on it too much, but it does break my heart just to like see so many people unhealed mm-hmm. and just hurting. Oh, yeah. And hurting other people and having a lot of like confusion surrounding it. And not that I like know the answer to everybody's hurt, but I really do think that it starts with having community and learning to be okay with yourself. Definitely. Because if everybody, you know, all of these little pearls on our net, you know, Mm -hmm. like if we're all just making sure that we're okay and we're not putting too much out that is going to be destructive to ourselves. Right. Because really that's what it comes down to. That's right. Like when I'm in my moment, I feel like I have worked very hard at, learning how to transform mm-hmm. what goes on inside me. That feeling of that you're working with your awareness of those states of being where you're, you feel um, whatever you feel and you can hold yourself and work with that as um, fuel for your development. And then it doesn't get projected out into society where it becomes a detriment to you and uh, fundamentally to you first, yes. but for sure to other people too. But I mean, like, you know, anger is like drinking poison mm-hmm. to yourself because mm-hmm. it's like, you're really only doing that damage mm-hmm. to you because you have right. all of this, like, you know, like I love thinking about it and like the, the, the forms of like, like the, the energies of like the fire and the power, and, yeah. you know, because yeah. Fire can be a forest fire or it can be like a warm flame. Mm-hmm. It's still the same fire. Mm-hmm. It's just about how you intend and hold space for it, really. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. like all emotions are good. It's just how you encase it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's so important. And, um, you know, back to your, I think when it, where you started was about community and also, I mean, it's great that I love because it's yeah it's showing, you're, you're talking about your, your process yeah and you're also indicating that this can be uh, a process for everybody and um that is one step toward healing in a worldwide sense because well why else do we have people acting out in all these ways if not because they're angry inside or they haven't work with their emotions or they don't understand who they just actually got an are. Inner child that needs a hug and a cookie. Right. right. <laughs> so all these levels of, of healing are so important and I um, absolutely want to promote that level of work with people so mm-hmm. that they have the space, the time and the places to yeah. do that. That's that's the other part where as you said, you know, if, if you knew there was a place for you to do that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. And a place that wasn't costly mm-hmm. and you didn't have to be well off to uh, yeah, yeah, no, truly, because yeah. it's for everybody. Anybody can move in their body and learn how to be in stillness. Mm-hmm. So right. everybody can breathe, <laughs> hopefully. It's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're all working with the same mechanisms. Yep. Let's, let's figure it out together. Yeah. So. Well, what a great conversation. I'm yeah, so thank you. Much appreciated. This was so fun. 
going all the places. It was great fun. If you'd like to learn more about the Taurus Project, you can go to our website, thetaurusproject.org, T-O-R-U-S. And we're also on Instagram. So again, thanks for joining us and wishing you a great week ahead full of creativity, inspiration, and joy. but it's not for cats. There's no milk in it. Yeah, no. Yeah, I was like, rude. I thought there was going to be something for me. I know.